As a pastor, one of the things that I get to say when I get to marry two folks is, you've probably heard it if you've been to a wedding or two. Maybe you've heard it almost every wedding because I don't know about you, and I'm the one generally speaking a lot during weddings. A lot of them sound the same, don't they? Right? One of the things, and I try to not make it all sound the same, by the way, um, but one of the things that you always hear, it's not good for man to be alone, right? Can any man just agree with me in the room? You're like, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, men, do you agree with me? Yes, you do. All right, women, it's not good for a woman to be alone either, is it? Any any woman agree? Uh, Okay. Some did, some didn't. I won't point out who didn't. But listen, I watched that video, and I'm like, I wish it was always like that. I mean, it is with me and my wife, but like... It's marriage is good, isn't it? Relationships are good, and it is better together because this is the way God designed us. God did not design us to be just functioning individuals going about our lives. This is just relationships and community, and I think you would agree there's nothing better than a relationship where you're loved and where you love. It's a precious thing, isn't it? And this is, listen, whether you're married or single, this is relationships. This is like a mom and, and, her, and her daughter. This is like a father and his son. This is like cousins when you're, when you're besties, right? Like my son, he just hates to leave his cousins in upstate New York because he has so much fun. Relationships where you are loved, there's nothing better. Yes? Do you agree? Everybody, everybody, everybody raise your hand. There's nothing better because this is the way God created us, right? But it's not always that way, is it? I look at that video, I'm like, yeah, it's always like that, Right? And when I was doing my premarital counseling um, and going through it, I remember them saying, so what are your, tell me about your arguments, tell me about your fights. And we, we were one of those couples, and by the way, I've counseled some of these couples. We were one of those couples who say, you know, we really don't fight. Anybody like that? They're like, not me. I mean, but some, some relationships kind of begin that way. They're blissful, they're naive, that all, everything is good. When there is a problem, you're not willing to say anything because I'm just gonna like, this is perfect, all is well. I've counseled those couples that we're really, we're really perfect for each other. In the back of my mind, I'm going, just wait. It doesn't take long before you get mad about stupid things like toilet paper. And if you laugh, you're guilty, right? It's like, oh, I remember my mom and dad did that. No, you remember when you do that. And the things that we fight about are crazy, aren't they? It's only a matter of time, whether you're friends or whether you're dating. I remember middle school drama. What about you? I just remember a ton of middle school drama. I remember thinking, I am so glad I'm not a girl. I just, that's all I thought in middle school because there was so much drama. Drama in the guys too, right? There's drama. Drama in relationships, middle school, high school. Drama when you get married. Drama, nothing changes, right? As you get older, one of the things that you realize Nothing changes. Relationships are beautiful. They're created by God for our good, for our enjoyment. This is something that he designed the family. He designed It's such a beautiful thing because there's nothing better than to be loved and to love. But it's hard and it's messy. And it doesn't take long before you realize this, this isn't what I signed up for, right? I just, As our pastor said a few weeks ago, no one stands on the wedding day and says, I hope it ends in five years, right? No one has that in mind. And and few, few do actually, you know, kind of sign a little disclaimer, hey, if this doesn't work out, this is your share, this is my share. For the most part, people don't think that way. People sign up for marriage to be committed in marriage because they have this idea that I like you, you like me, I love you, you love me, let's work this thing out together, let's do life together. But then something happens along the way, and then it happens again tomorrow, and then it happens again the next day, and one day you wake up and say, I can do this better alone. It's not better together 
for so many people. For my, my, my parents, my story, my dad left when I was three months old. I learned it at nine years old because I always just knew my stepdad was my dad. I learned at nine years old that my stepdad really wasn't my dad, that there was another guy that left because it wasn't better together. That wasn't the reality. They thought it would be better together, but when my father decided to, to do different things and come home, it wasn't better together, right? And it's hard. And one of the inevitable things about relationships, about brothers, because I have two sons and they're brothers, one of the things about growing up with an older brother who is stronger, faster, and better looking than I, we fought. That's what we did. One thing that's inevitable in marriage, one thing that's inevitable in friendships is that we fight. Anybody? Anybody say, "Uh uh-huh, I've done that once in my life before. It's inevitable. So fighting is inevitable, but since it's inevitable, today and being better together, we're going to really talk about fighting. And so if you like to flex your muscles, get ready, right? We're going to learn, what, what does it really mean to fight fair? So that's the topic of today's lesson, is that in order for us to be better together, we have to learn how to fight the right way, because there's a right way to do that. And so there's healthy versus unhealthy fighting, what does it look like? And you like, fight. Fight is, is bad, right? No, you're going to argue. You're going to see things differently, and that's not a bad thing. Do you realize in businesses, business leaders see things differently? Church, church people, they see things differently, right? Marriages, they're going to see things different. Relationships, friendships, we are going to see things different. We're going to have different perspectives, and that's going to lead towards our hearts and our minds just doing this. So what does it look like to fight fear? Unhealthy fighting is characterized, ready for this, by two people. Just think about this. Unhealthy fighting is characterized by two people only looking out for their own interest. Now, I know you're going to look out for your own interest, right? Because you're like, listen, just, just hear what I have to say. I'm hearing you. Not really. Hear what I have to say. But it's unhealthy fighting is the midst of the, the struggle, the argument. It's two people saying, listen, I'm focused on me more than you. That's unhealthy fighting. And what does that lead to? Tremendous hurt, tremendous pain. And, and what does that look like? It, it looks like below the belt punches with your words and sometimes with your hands in certain relationships and marriages. Not, not, not you, but like it just, it happens, right? Physical fighting, verbal fighting. You know what it also looks like? Um, always keeping record of the wrongs that they always do. It's using words like you always. I don't know about you, but that's not, that's not healthy in, any, in, in, in my home or in any home. You always do this. You never. The verbal jarring, obviously the physical issues, the physical jarring, Unhealthy fighting is when you only look out for yourself, only look out for yourself, and you're not really worried about the us part. What about healthy fighting? What does healthy fighting look like? It's a great question that we have to wrestle through. What does it look like to say, okay, we don't see eye to eye here, we gotta work this out? Healthy fighting is characterized by two people looking out not just for themselves, but for a resolution. It's easy to say unhealthy fighting focuses on your own preferences. You're looking out only for yourself. Healthy fighting looks like two people working out together, right? But let's go a step beyond. Healthy fighting actually looks like you trying to actually resolve the issue and not resolve the issue. Part of you says, yeah, listen, if you just see it my way, this will be resolved. No, 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 that's not healthy fighting. Healthy fighting is you looking out for the interests of the couple and then you saying, Let's, let's work towards a resolution. 
But better than those two simple um, you know, paradigms and those ways of looking at healthy and unhealthy fighting, I want to open up God's word. Because the Bible actually says a lot about marriage. And it says a lot about communication. The Bible has a few do's and don'ts, right? It has a few things throughout Scripture that God teaches in, in wisdom. And today I want to certainly open up the, the text. It's in your app if you would touch Bible. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. If you have your Bible, you can turn to James chapter 1. It's towards the end of the Bible. I'd give you a page number, but yours is different than mine. And your iPhone doesn't have a page number. So I wish it did. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, maybe, maybe it could, but James chapter 1, there's three things that are also taking the next step that really characterize what does healthy fighting look like. And I believe if together we would say, you know what, this is what God tells us. This is what God says. If I can do those things, if I can make my marriage and my relationships characterized by these three things, I promise you something, tomorrow will be better than yesterday. The future will be better in the past. Let's read this text together. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, and we'll read through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's a powerful truth from God. What if your life looked like that? Just for a moment. You can continue. Look at the screen. Let's keep verses 19 and, and 20 up there. I believe they'll be up there together. Just 19. Look at these three things. What if your life really looked like that? Looking at the adverse, I mean, it's easier for us to say, okay, everyone should be quick to listen. We're not always quick to listen, are we? What about slow to speak? I mean, those, those kind of work together and go hand in hand. And then obviously slow to become angry. What if, what if our relationships look like that? Diving in deeper, let's look at the first one. Well, think about this. What does it really mean to be quick to listen? How do you know you're having an argument or about to have an argument? How do you know? Each of you would answer this differently depending on the dynamics, relational dynamics. Some of you are like, I don't have to, to hear them say anything, right? It's just body language. It's, it's, it's eye contact or it's lack of eye contact, right? There's so many different ways and you know something's about to go down that's not good. What does it look like to accept God's wisdom and say, you know what? In, in all of my power, I should be quick to listen. This is what it means. It means as soon as your spouse is speaking, what do you do? This is really easy, right? What do you do? Everybody help me out. You, you don't talk. You actually listen. Now, Here's the difficulty in this. Here's the, really, here's, the, here's the hard part. Just because you're not speaking, does it mean you're listening? Uh, no, it doesn't. Actually, I was reading a book about actually this topic in the other day. And Rachel, we're driving down the road. And, and so I asked Rachel, we're doing some traveling this week, seeing family. I said, hey, um, do you mind if I like take two of the hours? And I typically drive. She'll help me some. So do you mind just take two of the hours? I'm going to read a little bit, do a little bit of work. And so I was actually working on this message, Okay. So I'm reading a book about this text and about what, what does it look like to be quick to listen. And Rachel's like, hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. This is awful. And so I'm reading this book and I'm listening to her. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's talking to me. Now, we, we can't make eye contact because she's driving a motorized vehicle. And I don't recommend good eye contact while you're driving a motorized vehicle. But how do you know someone's listening to you? 
You don't really know, right, until they respond. And so I'm listening to this book, you know, just reading this book. And actually, the moment that I read this line, she said, did you hear me? And actually, it said, when you're listening, you should actually stop what you're doing. <laughs> this happened on Thursday. I'm like, I'm sorry, God. What would you say? I mean, that's terrible. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in the middle of a moment and your spouse is talking and someone else is talking to you and you're like, oh, snap. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's happened to me. I mean, your mind's just going a million, a million different directions and you're like, oh, God, please don't let her ask me a question because if she asks me a question, I'm gonna have to say yes. And I don't even know what the question was, right? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's fine. Can you pick up um, Josiah tomorrow? Yeah, that's fine. And I didn't know what she asked me to pick him up and I don't pick him up or something. That's never happened. But that, those types of things happen all the time. You're in the middle of a conversation. You're listening because you're not talking. But there's no communication. So one of the things that we have to do to be quick to listen is this. This is, this is hard. Absolutely stop what you're doing. And that's so hard, isn't it? Because I don't know about you. Maybe you can juggle a few things. Who would consider themselves a multitasker? Anybody? Yeah, lots of hands raised. I think part of our culture lends itself to the necessity of multitasking. There's so many things going on all the time. Now, you don't have to be a, a multitasker. Some of you can say, no, no, no. I give all my attention to one thing. That's all I can handle. That's how I operate. That's great. You have an advantage in listening. Because if you realize someone's speaking to me, I'm going to absolutely stop what I'm doing. That means that I'm at the computer. I don't know about you. you know, you're sitting in the living room. You're typing away or something. Your spouse comes in and says something to you. Or a son or daughter comes in and says something to you. What does it mean to listen? It means to close the computer or set it aside and give body language and say, I'm listening. And sometimes it doesn't mean that you have to close the computer. It doesn't mean that you have to say, okay, I'm listening. But it does mean there's a mental focus that shifts in you. There's a mental focus that says, I'm here every word you're going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to try to understand it, and then I'm going to respond. This is a self-discipline issue. So today, if you're in any relationship, and you are, you're in relationships, we can make our lives better together by giving ourselves fully to listening. It's hard, isn't it? What about that next one? Be slow to speak. This is, this is really hard. Now, remember, we're talking not just good principles in communication. We're talking when you were arguing. When you're arguing, you don't, you don't want to be quick to listen because all you're thinking about is stating your case and winning your side, right? What does it mean to be slow to speak? Here's what it means. When you're actually listening, you're not thinking about what you're going to say, right? You're listening to fully understand. And it does mean that when they stop speaking, you don't jump at the right opportunity and say, okay, I hear you, but boom, here's my case. That's what we do. That's what I tend to do because I want to make sure you understand. If you understand my side, you wouldn't be upset with me because you're just going to see my way. Even though that's not what we would say, that's actually what we do. So easy to be in a relationship and say, listen, if you understand me, this will, this will work out. And it's easy for them to think and feel the same way. If you just listen to me, see my side, agree with me, this will be over. It's not what we do, do we? Slow to speak is very hard for me. Because if we're in an argument, which happens annually, about once a year, um, if we're in an argument, it always happens like after 9 p.m. Anyone relate? 
because I'm one of those rare guys. I'm a morning person and a night person. I can, I'm just, I'm waking up, I'm talking. I remember when we first got married, um, so excited, you know, come back from your honeymoon, and I wake up, I'm like, hey, you're in my house. You know, we're just talking, and we're, I'm just excited, and she looks at me like, I'm like, oh, snap. She didn't want to marry me. Oh, she's not happy. What's wrong? And she's like curling her hair and her chin sideways. I'm like, she's sad. I'm making my coffee. I'm like, what do I do? She's not talking. I'm talking away. And after a couple of weeks, seriously, this went on for a couple of weeks. And she got better during the day. I'm like, man, she's just, something's wrong with her. You know? I mean, not now, but then. <laughs> she was like, I'm not a morning person. I mean, I'm like, oh, we should have had that conversation before we got married. I mean, I still would have been, Sorry, that sounded wrong. I still would have married her, okay? I have a great wife. But, I mean, here, here we go. That was a total miscommunication. I'm, like, ready to talk, right? Because I'm talking all the time. And some of you can relate to that. Or some people that talk all the time don't know they talk all the time. That's part of the problem. I know I talk a lot. And so she's just not talking. And I'm thinking something's wrong. Well, something happens at night, too, where my wife just stops talking. And I'm just ready to talk. And for some reason, in my genius self, I like to bring up things that maybe we don't see eye to eye about 9 p.m. And I have learned, though I'm not very good at this sometimes, I have learned that, hey, can we talk about something? If, if, it, if it's after 9 p.m., it's probably not a good idea because she just shuts off. And you know what I want to do? I'm like, listen, let's just, she said, let's just talk about it tomorrow. I'm like, why wait? Why create an issue that's going on today and carry it over to tomorrow? It just doesn't make sense. Let's just talk about it. If you just hear me out and just say, that makes sense, <laughs> this will be good. And I have learned time and time again. You know, you learn a lesson, but you don't really learn a lesson. Because I just keep doing it. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm good. This isn't an argument. She's like, I mean, what she's trying to say is, I don't see it your way. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Because we can have a good conversation. You know what happens tomorrow? When I, when I make the mistake of continuing the conversation, it just doesn't go well. And if I'm able to say, you know what, let me just be quiet. Let's just, just I, don't, I don't have to speak on it. I don't have to convince you to see it my way. I can actually just be quiet. And this is, this is, this is God's wisdom found in the scriptures. This isn't common sense. If it were common sense, more people would do it. This is like the opposite of what our mind and our heart does. Because me, we, us, we just want to rush in and speak. So that we can make all things right. You know what happens tomorrow when I'm able to be quiet and just go to bed and let her go to bed. I'm still thinking about it. She's sleeping, right? You know what happens tomorrow? We don't even talk about it. Why? Help me out. Why don't we talk about it? Anybody? Huh? Doesn't matter. Wasn't even a big issue. We're just talking, right? I just want to talk about it. Let's, let's settle this thing. You know what happens most of the time? We don't even talk about it. Because it really wasn't that big of a deal. We, we fight about crazy things, don't we? We do. It's unbelievable some of the things that we actually spend our time and our energy getting upset over. God says, if you would be slow to speak, it would only be to your advantage. Be slow to speak. Don't rush to speak. You know, Proverbs 18.2 says, I want to read this to you. I, I, I love this. Listen to Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Listen to that. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. 
This is a strong correlation to James chapter 1. Because what does the first part say? A fool doesn't want to take the time to actually understand. And what do you have to do to understand? What's a good counselor do? Listen. They ask the right questions and they listen because they want to understand. And he says, if you don't listen, you're a fool. But all you want to do in your heart and in your mind, I just want to tell you how I feel. I just want you to understand. Because listen, there's a misperception here and I get it. If you're like me, and I think a lot of you probably are, you just want to talk because, because you heard your spouse or you heard that other person. You're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not right. That's not what I meant to say. Just listen to what I meant to say. Instead of listening, we're, we're just still taking our time. Listen, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And the Bible says that's foolish. God says it's foolish. All we want to do is air our own opinions. The Bible also says where there's a, many words, the speech of a fool happens, right? The more we talk, the more we get ourselves in trouble. The more we talk, the more we get ourselves in trouble. Throughout the Proverbs, and also there's a, a great passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about this, where the speech of a fool happens, there are many words. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing you can do, I can do, is just be quiet and not say anything. And for me, that's hard. Because I, I just want to describe it. Let me just lay it out there. This is going to be really easy. What happens when we don't do it? The third part of this verse, and being slow to become angry, is very interesting because it's not necessarily a recommendation on how you are to operate when you're fighting, but it's a warning of what happens when you do. Did you get that? It's not a recommendation or advice on, on how to handle. The first two are that, but the third one happens when we don't. You know how frustrated you get when you're not being heard? I see little Levi, my little four-year-old, when, when, when I tell him to do something, he just wants to talk, and I, I don't, nope, no conversation. This is what I want you to do. <laughs> Every now and then, he'll just, he'll, he'll ball up like this, like he's about to explode. And you know, and, and, I, and I get it. Part of me is like, I'm struggling. Any parent relate? I'm struggling because I'm like, no, 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 I'm dad. I'm telling you what to do. You do it. And he's like, my dad's not listening to me. Can you blame him? And I struggle with that because I'm like, son, no conversation. I'm dad. You just do it. But you're not listening to me. Now, that's not always justified, right? Because he's just going to, but mommy told me I could have the lollipop. <laughs> Which is not true because mom didn't say that. That's all he wants to say. And I'm going to listen to him. Okay. okay, she didn't say that. You can have the lollipop or whatever it is. You know, I'm just making that up. But we get so frustrated when someone's not listening because you're, you're only loving, you can look at your spouse and then you're only loving yourself, you're only thinking about yourself, you're not listening. All you care about is you. All you care about is being heard. You're not listening. And what happens, we get so frustrated, it leads to anger. And this is God's warning when we are not quick to listen and we're not slow to speak. It produces in us great frustration, which ultimately we know in, in marriage leads to a broken relationship, an infidelity. It certainly leads to divorce. And in parent-child relationships, it leads to a broken relationship, right? And no communication. And where two roads that were supposed to be getting in the same direction and really becoming one road actually still stay two roads. And God's warning in this is it will lead you to your, a frustrating level of anger that produces not a life that God likes, which is true. You see, verse 20 and 21 is the end result of what happens when we're not better together because we're only looking out for ourselves. 
it produces in us, looking, um, I guess, the description of the text in verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It does not produce a right life. It produces a life that certainly God's not pleased with. But what happens on the opposite of that? When we do listen and when we do speak slowly, and we stay humble, we stay self-controlled, it leads to a life that God's pleased with. And you know what's even, even just as good to celebrate? It leads to a happy spouse. It leads to a, a happy relationship. When you're like, you know what? We don't see eye to eye, but at least you heard me. Had a, a mentor that always encouraged me to listen more than I speak. Certainly that was God's wisdom, but he reminded me in so many different ways. And I tell you guys, it's so difficult. And what I've learned, and do not certainly do this very good all, all the time, I, I've learned in even my relationship, even if we don't see eye to eye, I've learned to wrestle through my own heart and still be able to go to sleep and say, you know, we just see it differently. That's okay. There's three things I want you to walk away with today, and, and they're in your app. If you don't have the app pulled up, I encourage you to write this down, really think on it this week, and take some action on these things. And, and the first one is this. These are three practical things that can save your relationships. And the reason I say your relationship is because this is true beyond a husband and a wife, beyond a marriage relationship. If we can do these three things, this is a response to what we've already heard in God's word. We can do these three things. They can mend the wounds of the past and they can prevent you from tremendous harm in the future. Number one, thinking about listening is this. Listen in order to recognize your faults. That's not what we do. You're like, no, 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 I'm listening to understand because the Bible tells us to do that. Proverbs 18, 2, James chapter 1. What if you listened so well? You not only listened to understand, but you actually were listening to see how you offended. Imagine the last argument that you've had. Or imagine the future one that could possibly be coming. What if you said, the next time my spouse and I get into an argument, here's my goal in my listening. I'm going to see what my offense was. That is good listening. And God tells us to do that. God warns us of the opposite of not doing this. And he tells us what will happen. Anger, frustration, which eventually leads to a separation. What if you listened so well that you were listening to not only understand their feelings, but you were listening in order to recognize your faults? Imagine the question while you're listening, how did I offend? What did I do? And what did I say? Number two is this. Confess your wrongdoing without excuses. It's hard. I heard a few grunts in the audience. I mean, this is hard. What if you said, you know what? I'm going to see how I offended. And however I offended, I'm going to take responsibility for it. Without excuse. Now, this is so hard. If you're listening to your spouse and you're saying, okay, I hear you. I am so sorry for hurting your feelings. What you don't say is, I didn't mean it that way. No, that's justification. Justification doesn't work because the reality is, is they were hurt. This is what God tells us to do. God tells us to confess our sins. Do you say, I mean, just think about this with, with, with a relationship with God that loves us, right? Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He died on the cross to save you from your sins. He offered forgiveness to the entire world. He simply wants people to recognize him as God. Imagine you coming to God and saying, God, I realize like I'm not holy. I'm, I'm not perfect. I got lots of stuff in my life. But let me, let me explain to you why. Let me just cover this, God. And I, I, I know you love me. I know you forgive me. Let me just tell you why. It doesn't work good. And that's not going to work out. 
The Bible actually warns us of that, right? He loves you. He wants to forgive you. Imagine, not imagine because you do it. You go to people that you offended and you explain yourself away. It's never good enough. All you're doing is tickling your mind. You're just appeasing your own self. You're like, well, let me just, let me justify. Let me tell you why I did what I did. Okay? You still did it. You want to heal a relationship? Say, I'm sorry for what you said. And then guess what you have to do? Zip it. There's no excuse. Talk about healing. You know what happens when you're the listener and the person you offended says, please forgive me. Number three is this. Then you forgive. This is hard because number one and number two aren't good enough in and of themselves. Because you can listen well and you can understand your faults. But in your heart, you're so stubborn, you could say not so smart stuff like, it's just who I am. You got to get over it. You might not say that. You might say that. That's below the belt unhealthy relationship we talked about earlier. You might, you, you might not say it, but that's what you're thinking. Because you're not willing to go to number two. What if you are willing to go to the second piece of advice, right? And what God tells us to do. What if you are willing to say, I'm really sorry for doing that. I really am. I, I recognize it hurt you. I'm sorry. What does the other person have to do? It's not, the relationship's not mended yet, right? The, the other person has to forgive them completely. The person has to say, I recognize that you recognize your fault. And I forgive you. The power of forgiveness is that we actually turn away from it. And I love the story that we read about Jesus in the New Testament. I, lo I love what he did, right? He said time and time again, I have come to seek and to save those that don't know me. I have come to seek and to save the lost people. And Jesus offered this forgiveness. And you know what Jesus is not doing? Jesus is not saying once you say that you're a sinner, you say that you need God. He's, he, he's not just saying, well, it's not good enough. He, he forgives. And I love that the Bible says that when he forgives you, he forgets your sin. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. Don't you love that about God? This is what he does. He forgives people when they recognize that they need forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, I don't think that you would forgive someone that does not recognize their forgiveness. Can you do it? It's possible. It's just really hard. You come to a place, I, I forgive them, but they, but they don't even recognize their faults. What are you forgiving, right? You're forgiving the offense. Now, the statement, forgive and forget, it sounds nice. It's just not reality. You'll never forget the offense. You'll remember the offense. But what you're saying is, I'm going to let it be in the past. This is what Jesus does to our sin. He forgives us. And a healthy relationship looks like that love that God has in us and that God gave to us. A healthy relationship actually says, I forgive you. 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter, when Paul describes this love, you know what he says? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Does love remember the wrongs? You betcha. You, you, you know what King David and the Bible says in one of the Psalms, my sin is ever before me. It's like he's saying, I, I, I know my issues. I know my faults. Guess who hasn't forgotten your issues? Those around you. 
They know your struggles. They, they know your faults. They see your faults. But what they're saying is, I'm going to let it be in the past. I really forgive you. And the great news is, this is the type of love that God has for us. He listens to you when you speak to him. Promise from the Bible. A promise from the truth of the scripture. He listens to you. And the Bible actually says about his character, he is quick to listen. And you know what? God is quick to listen. I love that. And he is slow to become angry. This is a description. You know what James says about our relationships, what we just talked about? This is a description of God. This is how he loves you. He listens to you and he'll forgive you. If only you would ask. What if in your relationships today you said, today, I'm giving it my all. When I'm being spoken to, I'm going to listen with all my heart. And I'm not just going to listen. I'm going to listen the way that listens for my faults. And I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to recognize my faults and, con and confess them. And then when that's done to me, I'm going to forgive completely because I want that forgiveness too. And these three things can shape you. And they can not only shape you, they can shape every relationship you're in because it's marked by a love that transcends any other love. And this is a love that God has for you. So today, walking on from this place as, as we move on, I don't want you to just focus on you and your performance. Well, I just get frustrated. It's who I am. I just get, I don't know what to do. I want you to ask God to help you because this type of love is hard. Yes, it's a hard way to love. That's a good description of who God is. But the reality is I don't deal with hurt in the same way. And it's hard. And even though someone says, could you please forgive me? You're like, no, I'm still mad. Like, it's true. I, I need some time. Let's sleep on it. And other personality is like, uh-uh, we ain't going to sleep on it. We're going to sell this now. And then it just gets worse. We need the, the love of God to transcend and come inside of us and come through us and help us, don't we? If you know Jesus, you know he loves you, you recognize him as God, then our prayer for you today is, God, help me to love with this type of love. Your love is inside of me. I want that to, to come out of me. I want to love people. I want to listen. I want to speak with grace. And I want to forgive people. If you disconnected from the message today and you say, you know, I, I get that in principle. I understand the points. I've never experienced that type of relationship with God, a God who loves me. Today can be a day where you can say, God, I want to experience your love. And if that's you, you can pray in just a few moments when I pray and say, God, I want to experience your love. And if you want to begin that love relationship with God and explore what that means, we have groups that talk about that. We have a group that our pastor is leading um, that will begin uh, soon to talk about what does it mean to explore faith and to explore a relationship with God. You can even stop by a starting point to say, hey, that's me. I, I want to explore what this means. For many of you that are in life groups or maybe you're thinking about a life group, we're sermon-based sermon in our life group material. And so this week, we have groups talking about this type of love. This is what we're going to be talking about in our life groups. And so I hope that you'll take that next step to say, God, I want to have that type of love. Or God, I want that relationship with you. Or even in life groups today, as you begin that conversation, I hope that you'll continue it. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the love that you have given us, an incredible love that transcends who we are. The type of love that we have been talking about today is not something that's normal to us. It's not something that overflows in us, God. It's a love that you gave to us. And so I pray for it. I pray for it for me, for my relationships, my marriage, 
pray that my children see it in me. For every relationship that's here, that has faith in you, I pray that they would also see a greater sense of your love working through them to listen, to speak slowly, and to forgive completely. God, we need your help. We lean on you and we trust you. We love you and pray that this time would be a time that continues to transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.